I'm telling you, those voices were marvelous. And I'm not talking, just talking about the ones that were up on stage. To hear behind me the fullness of the voices in praise to God, speaking of the character of God. Elder Wright said this last week, I love worship songs where I'm not the center of attention, but where he is, and that's exactly what y'all did this morning. Praise God. Amen, amen. If you would turn with me to the book of Matthew, this particular story, I'm going to have you to place your finger in a bookmark at Mark chapter 5, verses 1 1 through 10, because this is where it gives greater detail. Luke does as well, although we won't be looking at his account on that. But if you can turn there, um, verses 28 through 34, it's in the centerfold of your bulletin. Also, if you'd like, ask us to stand as we read the word of the Lord. Let's read together. And when he came to the other side, to the country of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men met him, coming out of the tombs, so fierce that no one could pass that way. And behold, they cried out, What have you to do with us, O Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now a herd of many pigs was feeding at some distance from them. And the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, send us away into the herd of pigs. And he said to them, Go. So they came out and went into the pigs. And behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the waters. The herdsmen fled. And going into the city, they told everything, especially what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And behold, all the city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they begged him to leave their region. Let's pray. Father, I thank you indeed for your word, O Lord, and that Jesus is the center of attention. I pray as we hear your words, may our hearts respond in obedience and may we be ready to live out what you are demanding, what you are commanding, what you have given and have enabled us to do. I pray for anyone this morning that doesn't know you, Lord, in a relationship. I pray that you would speak to their hearts and that you would help them, O Lord, to see who you are more clearly. Open our eyes and our hearts in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Before we get into this standoff that we see here, we know that as we were going through the Sermon on the Mount and then afterwards now Jesus' confrontation with the world, we are seeing the demonstration of the authority of Jesus. We, we, we heard it, as we said before, we heard it in word, and now we are seeing it indeed. Jesus spoke in the Sermon on the Mount. He spoke clearly as one who is king with all authority would speak. And, though, and so he spoke and he even, 
he even gave clearer meaning and fulfilled the law when he talked about, you've heard it said, but I say unto you. And so he placed himself as the ultimate authority when it came to the law. And so then we saw in, in chapter now 8, and then we'll see in a 9, what he's actually doing is now demonstrating the authority that he had been speaking with. And so we see him now, we've heard him say things that only God would say. Now we're seeing him do things that only God could do. And so he is demonstrating his authority. But here's the point. He isn't just showing off. It's not a circus trick. He's not just trying to gain a crowd. As a matter of fact, you notice throughout Jesus' time, when too big of a crowd starts to gather, he will usually leave or he thins out the crowd by something he says. Totally opposite of what we do today. When we see that we're gaining the crowd, we try to figure out how can we keep this crowd and actually how can we get a larger one around us. And so sometimes the message changes when they see a crowd coming. Sometimes they think that how they got that crowd was a little bit different, you know, now. And so, and so I can't stick to the truth that I had before because the people might leave. See, that was the problem that the Pharisees had. They actually didn't realize that they were under the control of the crowd, although they thought they controlled the crowd. Because to them, if the crowd revolted, they realized the little power they thought they had was gone. They needed a crowd to have authority. Jesus demonstrated he didn't need a crowd to have authority. He had it and commanded the crowd to follow him. And so now we see in chapter 8, last time that I was up here, chapter 8, that he, that he had given them a command to go to the other side. And then as he proceeded to go to the other side, a storm had arisen. And so what Jesus was telling us in that particular issue was, again, Jesus has authority over nature now. Now, we saw that his word worked up close when he talked with and spoke to the leper and he touched the leper and the leper was clean. But then we saw in the centurion's case that he didn't need to be present, that all needed to happen was his word was to be spoken. And so he didn't even go. As a matter of fact, the centurion never met Jesus. If you read all the accounts, he physically never met him. He sent his entourage because he said he didn't think he, being a non-Jew, was worthy for Jesus to be in his house. But his servant was healed by the word of God. So what was Jesus showing there? That I don't need time and distance is a non-factor with him. You don't need to be up close laying hands on a person in order for Jesus to work. There's nothing wrong with that. But he says all that is needed is obedience to his word. And he demonstrated that and that. And so then we get further down. And now with the storm, he crosses over. And in the middle of their crossing over, as is typical on the Sea of Galilee, the storm comes over those mountains, comes down, and it hits the water, and they are sudden, and that storm is violent. Now, you have to understand, they were fishermen on this, but they were, they were men who made their living on that lake. They knew it, and yet they were afraid. Hey, let me just tell you something. I said this last time. If you're on an airplane full of pilots and they get nervous, you better be concerned. Because if the people that fly all the time are scared at what's happening, you should too. And so these fishermen were afraid. And they ran to Jesus and said, don't you care? And Jesus rebukes them 
and then he rebukes the storm. He rebukes them because he says, oh, you of little faith. Well, why would he say that? Because remember, when they left, he said, we're going to the other side. He said, did you actually think I was not going to complete the journey? And so we learned then that Jesus was saying, following Jesus does not exempt you from storms. And we learn, as a matter of fact, following Jesus will probably lead you into some. Because you're always going against the grain. You're going against the grain of society. You're going against the grain of most of your coworkers and, and the folk that are around you. You are going against the grain of the students in your schools when you follow Jesus. And he says it will probably lead you into some places of violent storms. But he rebuked them because he was like, I am here with you. Do you think I'm going down? He was asleep. I still can't figure that one out. Like, did the splash of water, because he said that the water was coming in the boat. Did the splash of water not wake him up? Or did the water just be like, don't touch him? <laughs> I don't know. We don't hear, but here's what we do know. Is that when he gets up, he speaks to them, and they were probably like, why are you rebuking us? And then he speaks to the storm, and they go, oh, wow, I see why. Then they were afraid. I love this. Saints, this is what should happen to us. We get so familiar with God. We think we know him, and because we know him, we just kind of treat him anyhow. They were afraid. I know somebody's like, oh, they revered God. No, they were terrified. This guy just spoke to the winds and the waves, and they ceased immediately on cue. Now, the fishermen in the boat knew storms don't do that. They might fizzle out, but they don't just stop. And it says they were afraid, and they asked this question that you and I would have asked. What kind of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? Now, we might not have said it that eloquently. We would have been like, what kind of dude is this? Yo, did you just see that? And so one of my favorite lines from one of my favorite movies, Tombstones, he said, I've never heard of that. Someone, I've never seen it. I've never heard of it. They hadn't heard. No one speaks to nature except the one who created nature. Let me bring it home for some of you. No one speaks to your children except the one that brought them children into the world. And so here is my deal. God was demonstrating now that he has authority over all of nature. And then I love how this next section begins. It says, and when they got to the other side, come on, you know Matthew was trying to lead your thoughts. We finished our journey. Jesus did exactly what he said he would when he said way back in the other part of chapter 8, let's go to the other side. And so he says, now, when they got to the other side, did you think it was going to be any other way? He said, when they got to the other side, he steps out the boat. Look at what happens. He says here, man, this is, this is almost like, this is almost like one of those big cage matches. You're going to see, this seems like a standoff. Because now, just remember this. He just finished speaking to nature. And remember, they now realize that Jesus was far greater than they even imagined. 
because they couldn't imagine a man that would speak to winds and waves. And so they get out the boat, and in this particular part of the country, predominantly Gentile, in this particular area, Jesus comes and he, and he steps out. And as he steps out and he walks off the shore, here's the match. At least some people would like to make it like that. I remember the days of Ali. I remember the thriller in Manila. Y'all remember that, right? Some of y'all do at least. But this was going to be that match. Hold on a second, because when you see the description that now Mark and Luke only speak of one guy. Matthew speaks of two. She said, well, there's a discrepancy. Let me ask you a question. Is two, if, 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 if there are two people in the story and you only talk about one, where's the discrepancy? There isn't. There is none. The issue becomes Mark and Luke speak on uh, about one person because that was probably the person that the demons were speaking through. Because you hear it clearly stated that the demon said, the demon said, well, hold on a second. Do they have voices? Well, from what we understand, and we can presume, is that they were speaking through the man. And so here's what happened. Gets on the shore, and this is, again, demonstration of the authority of Jesus. And with the title for this that we'll see later is, Will You Ask Jesus to Leave Also? That he gets on the shore and they see him from afar. Now, let's get a little bit of background for these guys. It says that they were so fierce. If you read in Mark chapter 5, it says that, 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 that they tried to bind him, one of the men, and he would break the shackles. I mean, this is Hercules, He-Man stuff. All right, this is stuff we only see in the movie. This guy was so super strong that he would break the chains that they would have him in. And as they tried to subdue it and as they tried to get a hold of him, he was worse than the worst person in your neighborhood that everyone knew. Everyone's neighborhood had that one dude or that one lady that everyone said, stay away from him. As a matter of fact, if you walk down that street, you better make sure you cross the street. Now, if you haven't experienced that, you haven't lived in my hood. Uh, but, but, but we had several of them. And, 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 and you walked around. Or you went a different route. And it says they were so fierce. They were so strong. They would cry out as he walked throughout the tombs. Mark says he would cut himself. A menace to their area. And no one was strong enough to do anything about it. Reminds me of the story of the strong man. When Jesus said, um, the only way you bind a strong man is with a stronger man that enters the house. And Jesus, really, the hero has arrived. And so now he shows up, he steps off the boat, and they see him, and they come running for him. Now, you know, most of us, when you saw that, you would get back on the boat. Like, row, row, quick, quick, row. But I can just imagine Jesus standing there, and he knew what the deal was. And these two come running up. They says they run up to him, and when they run up, they run up bowing to his authority. I want you to see and hear this. Jesus now is demonstrating, just finished with nature. He had talked about his word up close and his touch and his word at a distance. Now he is about to demonstrate his authority over the spirit world. And they run up, and as they run up, I'm sure the disciples are like, Yo, you got this, Jesus? 
because they look crazy. And as they run up, they start screaming. And let's read what they scream. Man, that's why I tell you, look, the demons believe in Jesus too, more than some of us do. Because they know who he is. They're not pretending. They're not denying. They run up and he says, what, verse 29, what have you to do with us, O son of God? That term is, is, was not widely used at all. They used it. Have you come here to torment us before the time? You've got to understand this. And so first point that we're going to look at in this particular context, will you ask Jesus to leave, is number one, Jesus puts people and spiritual issues above other considerations or realities. Jesus puts people and spiritual issues above other realities and considerations. Why am I saying that? You'll see in a moment. So as these men come up, they recognized him from afar. That's why they ran up. They realized when he stepped on the ground, they had to check in. They realized when Jesus stepped on the ground, he was now in control. Notice, they, they, they didn't run up to attack him and realize who he was when they got close. Them demons knew exactly who he was. And when he stepped on there, they were like, uh-oh. Authority just came to town. Greater than them. Remember, no one could handle them. And Jesus comes up and they go, yo, we got to check in. So they run up and says, why are you here, O son of God? That is a statement of submission and a statement bowing to authority. Let me help you out real quick. When it comes to spiritual issues, when it comes to demonic possession, when it comes to anything in this spirit world, can, let's just squash it real quick. This is not God against the enemy. It's just God. Really, it's just God. There is no competition. God's not in a battle. He's not trying to figure out his next strategy. As a matter of fact, he told Pharaoh way back, I raised you up for this very moment. You are here because I want you here. And understand this is that as you are living your life for Christ, that, that, that any opposition that comes up, and let me just say, even if it costs you your life in Christ, understand God hasn't acquiesced anything. He hasn't given up any ground. He wasn't outmatched. He wasn't outsmarted. He wasn't overpowered. He just allowed it to happen. You look throughout Scripture. When Jesus stepped on the ground, they had to come and check in. Understand, when you are out there living for God, and Jesus is in you. The scripture is real when it says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now, let me help you out. Stop running around to my, I got the devil under my feet. No, really? Really? Without Jesus, you better go hide. Without Jesus, you better go run. Now, what I understand maybe they want to mean is through Jesus, I am powerful. Yes, but I don't walk around with some sort of death wish looking for demons to tackle. 
And you can't just call out the name of Jesus as if it's some magical incantation. Ask the sons of Sceva what happened. When they saw Paul and said, oh, that's all you got to do is to call on this name Jesus, didn't realize that you needed to have a relationship with him. And so they came in and they go, hold on a second. We adjure you by the name that Paul uses, Jesus. And I was like, this is not the exorcist movie, dude. No. And they said, Jesus we know, Paul we know. Don't know you. And it says they attacked them and tore their clothes off. They went running out naked. Because before the enemy, you and I are no match, as the text already said, until Jesus arrives. And so when we are walking in Jesus, we are walking in his authority, which means he calls the shots, not you and I. He's the one that sets the agenda, and he's the one that carries out the plan. So they come to check in, but what they say should hear us. Have you come to torment us? Because they realize when Jesus shows up, we've lost all power. But then they said, before the time. And in the Greek, it is that, before the time. They know there is a time coming when Jesus will deal with them. They know that. We walking around thinking we're going to live forever, denying it all. They live knowing, even though they're in opposition, they hate them, they loathe them, they fight against them, they know it's a losing battle, and yet they still do it. That is the... That is a good depiction of evil and uncleanness. Now understand, Jesus walks into an area that is totally unclean, and yet he himself remains clean. Why do I say that? They were raising pigs. There's no self-respecting Jewish person that would do that. It was against the law. They couldn't eat it. You know, slave folk, we say, like, you and they eating that swine, man. Come on, you eating that swine. They had a whole herd of them. As a matter of fact, when you get in the other Gospels, talks about 2,000 of them. So this was a huge herd and a huge prophet. And so they come up, and Jesus comes up in this totally unclean area, and he is there to rescue people from their uncleanness, both spiritually and physically. Jesus came to rescue, and so the demons run up. They, 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 they come, and they, and they report before him, and they're going, hold on a second. We're confused. We know our time is going to be up, but we didn't think it was today. So Jesus comes in, and doesn't say anything, and then they beg him. They say, listen, 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 Jesus. If you, if, 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 they're trying to do, if, if, if you're going to cast us out, and that if really is a sense, since you're going to cast us out, can, 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 you, can you not move us from the region? We kind of liken it here. We don't know why they asked to go into the pigs, but the pigs represent all of who they are, uncleanness. And we look at what they were doing to those men, were cutting themselves, were, able, were, were unable to be controlled and subdued. Their life was out of control. Let me tell you, you can play with... You can play with the enemy all you want. He'll have you doing things you never thought you would do. 
He'll have you in places where you say, how did I end up here? He'll have you thinking things that you never thought you would think, saying things you never thought you would say, regretting things that you never thought you would regret. Do not play. Spiritual forces are real, and yet Christ is greater. I never forget the story. My mother told she worked as a CNA at a nursing home in Brooklyn. And she came home and she told us the story. She said, I'm so glad I stayed prayed up. And she said she was working on this woman that was there that was just evil and mean the whole time. And no one wanted. So they would send my mother in. And she would go into change. And she said, well, I'm there. I'm praying. I'm, as, I'm, as, I'm, as I'm touching her, I'm praying for her. She said, because I knew something was going on and, and, and something wasn't right there. And, and she said, the woman never spoke to me, never said anything. And she said, as I was changing her, she said, the woman turned her head. And then the creepiest of voices said to her, you're a believer. And she said, oh, Lord. <laughs> and she just kept praying and calling the Lord until she finished. And she said, I bolted out of there. I don't know how this woman knew. But she just she said something was going on inside that I didn't know. And so she I did what I needed to do and I left. See, folks, and so when we see here when them demons start talking, Jesus is there to rescue them from this oppressive lifestyle, from this unclean lifestyle. Now, before we go, I wouldn't like that. Don't let me tell you, you don't know how you were. You and I both were rescued probably before we got to do some really crazy stuff. Some of us, we got to experience the crazy stuff, and we did it. And Jesus rescued us from our uncleanness. As a matter of fact, if you look at the Luke account, Jesus speaks to them and says, what is your name? When they check in, and they said, we. Hold on a second. I'll be like, we. How many of y'all in there? said, we are legion, for we are many. But once again, I want you to see the contrast. Jesus is not afraid. He is standing there. And as they come to check in, you see one, I mean, any amount against Jesus is too few. And so they said, look, let us stay in the area. Can we go in them pigs? And I don't know why. Jesus said, go. They go in. But for some reason, we don't understand that. Why would you take the pigs off the cliff? Because that's what demons do. They wreak havoc in your life, and they are out to destroy you. Come on, what does the scripture say? It says the thief comes, but what? To kill, steal, and destroy. And you see it here. Jesus said, I came that you might have life. When he showed up in that country, he came that those, that, that those demon-possessed men would have life. And they would have it to the full. Now, here's where we get a phrase that we use. If you look in the Mark account, they said that when they came back, they were sitting there, clothed, and in their right mind. I know we've heard that in church growing up. Thank God, clothing. Thank God that I was clothing in my right mind. But were you possessed before? <laughs> Why did he say that? Why were they clothed? Because they ran around naked. Why did they state they were in their right mind? Because they were out of their mind. 
controlled by the demons. And so Jesus demonstrated clearly. So the herdsmen there saw it. So Jesus places people, spiritual issues, and people above other realities. What happened as a result of Jesus delivering? Some people lost a lot of money. 2,000 pigs, that's a lot of money. That might the whole herd, whoever owned it, it was probably a group of people that owned it, just lost it. Because it said they went over the cliff and they drowned. All the pigs were gone. Jesus knew that. He knew that it was going to happen. Well, let me ask you this question in the second point. Second point of this was unclean people put profit over Jesus and people. Look at what happened. Unclean people put profit over Jesus and people. Why? Because Jesus reveals the issues that were here. When he allowed those pigs to run off the cliff, he had uncovered what was at the heart of who they were. They cared more about the pigs and the profit they made than helping those two men who were wreaking havoc in their society. And so here these two men were now, they were, they were healed. They were sitting there under control. And we only hear about one, so one was probably vocal, sitting there under control, sitting on at the mill. And you know folk were afraid to come around them. Yo, man, that's crazy. You know, that's, 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 that's. That's crazy Curtis over there, man. And he's sitting there saying, what's up, God? And they're like, he's, he's good, y'all. He's good. And then the herdsmen run to go get the people. And they go and they say they explain what happened, especially what happened to the two men, because everyone knew them. Because Jesus puts people and their spiritual issues over other considerations and other realities. And so he comes up here and the group comes back. Now you would think there's a celebration. Thank you, Lord, for rescuing us from this mess. We, that whole section of town was one we didn't go to because of those two. And you've changed them all. Thank you, Lord. What do we see? When they come back, it says, when they saw him, they asked him to leave. Hold on a second. Jesus comes in as the hero. He comes in and rescues your town from these two crazy guys that are possessed, sets them free to where they can be of benefit to you now, but it costs you something. You lost your whole herd of pigs. And I'm mad now because what I've used, which was unclean, to be for my profit was really what was my priority. And when, and when you start putting profit over people and profit or possessions over people, you are moving in the area of uncleanness. That's not the only area. That's one of them. And so we see what happens here is they say they were afraid. They were scared. I wonder, were they scared that he was going to do something else that would cost them some more money? Let me ask you this question. I wrote it down. I remember it. Ask you this question. If the move of God 
if the work of Jesus cost you something, it costs you financially or it costs you friendships, are you going to ask Jesus to leave? See, the deal was he rescued some people from sure death. He rescued some people from a lost eternity. He saved some people who were being oppressed heavily by demons. And actually, it could have been some other people later on. We don't know. But he stayed the tide. He stopped it, rescued them, set them free. As a matter of fact, we see in one of the stories that that, that, that one of the men came back and begged Jesus to let him go with him. So understand this. So let's kind of see this. Two groups that met Jesus. When the demons met Jesus, they begged him to let them stay in the area and to go to the unclean pigs. And when the people came and met him, they begged him to leave and get out. And then the man who was delivered came up to him and begged him to let him go with him. You see the begging that's going on here. The begging that's going on is going to be dependent of your heart. What are you pleading Jesus to do? Is it so that you can gain more profit and you overlook people? Is it going to be one in which, Jesus, I want you to do what you do in me, Jesus, just don't let it cost me anything. Just don't mess with my money, Lord. As a matter of fact, Lord, just don't mess with my job or, or, or don't mess with my friends. Don't mess with my possessions. Hey, look, don't make my life uncomfortable. But I want you to use me, Jesus. <laughs> when do you ask Jesus to live? When do you ask the hero to leave? When you don't appreciate what he's done. When you don't see the value in him being there. How much more could he have done the rescue more in this town? They weren't interested. Let's bring that into t today. I'll help folk. It doesn't cost me anything. Oh, what? You going to raise my taxes because I'm going to help them? No, nah, I'm good. You going to cause my neighborhood? No, nah, I'm good. Mm -mm. I can't help them, Jesus, because that's going to affect my bottom line. Sorry. Now, nah, my property values, can't help them. I read a post this week. Someone said, this past week, someone said, I was talking about immigration. It said, if you are so opposed to those in our country as immigrants, they said, stop going over to their country on your missions trips to serve them. Whoa. That was a big check for me. See, the issue becomes God has called us to serve, period. God has called us to the ministry of rescue, period. God has called us to a ministry where we are setting free, power of Christ, not us, people that are caught up in sin, regardless of where they're from, regardless of their economic status, regardless of who they have. He has called us to be in that ministry, and guess what? It might cost us something. 
And then are we going to say, I didn't sign up for that, Jesus. Just do a few things for me in my life. Just keep my job good. Just keep. Everyone wants to keep their savings account big. If you don't, uh, something, I, I need to ask, something's wrong with you. Everyone wants to keep their job well. Everyone wants to have the property values of their home to increase. Everyone, no one wants to lose their possessions. Yet, when you follow Jesus, not only will he take you through a storm, he may cause you to lose something. Am I still going to follow him? Well, just remember before you say no, remember who ran up to whom when Jesus set foot on the ground. He is the ultimate authority. He is the one who was worth following. He is the one who controls it all. And so the issue comes for you and me. As Jesus begins to use us, as Jesus begins to move amongst us, and it ends up costing us something. I'm not saying that we just throw things away and that we just don't do things right and well. But what I'm saying is that understand Jesus puts people and spiritual issues over other realities. But those who don't want Jesus will put profit over people. And so as we close this out today, and Jesus has demonstrated I have complete power over the spiritual world. He asked that question because we see here Jesus obliges them. He leaves. And their deliverance is gone. And here's the, here's the sad part. Okay, pigs were gone. I'd hang on to Jesus since those pigs were gone. And ask him, hey, 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 um, I know you sent the pig. I mean, the pigs done went to their death. Can you tell us how we're going to replace them? Can we get some help? Because I just ran out of money. It all went over the cliff. But no, they were so afraid because I was wondering if they were afraid that he was going to do something else and they were going to lose. I was like, we ain't got nothing else to lose. What will it take for you to lose for you to ask Jesus to leave? Or he says, or are you following me because you realize I am king and I have authority over everything and I will control even, even, even your life. And when you finish journeying with me, you know you've journeyed well. You know that every last one of those men that followed Jesus was martyred. The apostles, except for Judas, who did himself in because he walked away from Jesus. But understand that every last one of them lost their life for Jesus. There's a brother in our church that he gave us, in our church back in um, Germany, he gave a testimony several years, a couple years before we left. They were missionaries in Afghanistan, and they met for church, but it was church under protection because they had the guard because they were in a highly Muslim nation, and it could be, it could be um, threatening for them. And so everyone had to dress in Western clothes when they came in. And so this particular day, he said he was standing up front. His kids and his wife were in the basement in Sunday school, and service was about to start, so people were gathering. And he said he saw out of the corner of his eye something drop on the ground. And before he realized it, a person had come in dressed in Western clothes and dropped a grenade. 
And he said, as he looked, he saw it, boom, exploded. Strapping a gun in his leg. He was thrown to the ground, knocked, you know, just kind of dizzy. And then he said, as I came to, first thing was, where are my kids? Where are my kids? And so he rushed up, didn't even realize that he had been hit with shrapnel until they were out. But four people that day in that service lost their life coming to fellowship. He said, and we remember that that day. So now do you go, I'm done. I ain't showing up no more. I'm finished. I'm done. Mm-mm, this Jesus that y'all getting crazy up in here. Or do I go, Lord, you already have my life. You already have my life. See, the deal becomes for you and I. Do we have a price for walking away from Jesus? If we do, he may just reveal that price to you. So you can either say there is no price or you walk away. Jesus always moves us to a choice. He doesn't let us just walk along aimlessly. It would be like the comic strip that I read. The guy was being held up and the robber said, give me your money and your life. He said, I've got no money. And I gave my life to Jesus in church last week. And I go, you know what? Boy, that sounds funny, but I love the tenor of that. He goes, I ain't got nothing for you, bro. Jesus ain't got it all. And for you and I today, as we walk with the king under his authority, we understand now he demonstrates power over the spiritual world. And so he's just demonstrated all authority. And so now he goes, will you follow me? Now will you follow me? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you give us your word. 